You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, and this is our Arsenal season preview. It might be a painful one. It might be a struggle or Arsenal might surprise us. Who knows? But joining me to put together some of our predictions and to discuss how the upcoming season might go is the brilliant Mike Stavrou. Mike, welcome back to the show, mate. How are you, first of all? I'm good, man. I've got that like pre-season jitters. Um, and even though there's been a lot of negativity in the Arsenal fan base uh, recent weeks due to the transfer market, everything like that, I've still got that that glimmer of, uh, of optimism. It's probably a blind faith, but you know, you, when, it, when it comes around to the season, you always have it in the back of your head. This this could be the one where we finally see us improve. But um, yeah, I'm sure we will get more realistic as, as time goes on in this podcast. But at, at the moment, I'm buzzing still. I'm buzzing. Yeah, me too. And and look, at the end of the day, as a football fan, I think you've got to look forward to the season. Otherwise, what's the point in following football? At least have some hope for them to shatter uh, as the campaign goes on. But agree with you. I feel uh, quietly optimistic that Arsenal can you know, surprise a few people. We'll go on to talk a little bit more in detail about how Arsenal might do uh, some of the individual players and, and various other bits and pieces. We're also going to be talking through our preferred 11, if, of course, everybody's fit and taking into account the transfer business we've already done and look likely to do. So uh, it's going to be a really interesting conversation. I want to say a big hello to everybody joining us in the live chat box at the moment. I hope you guys are all well. Uh, big hello to everybody who is going to watch this back later on or is going to listen to this via the audio platforms. Now, I know a lot of you caught up with the show earlier on today, but for those of you that didn't, I just want to say a massive thank you to those of you who have been subscribing to the channel because today we hit that 15K marker here on YouTube. So that's a, a fantastic achievement. It's a fantastic marker to hit. Uh, we've got plenty of you subscribed on the audio as well, and I'm equally grateful whether it's via audio you listen or whether you watch via YouTube. But I just wanted to say a big thank you because I know that some of you won't catch the last episode. Um, and so I want to make sure that I get the message to each and every one of you. So thank you for your support. So, Mike, initial gut feelings going into the new season, you know, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most positive and one being completely pessimistic. How are you feeling about this campaign? Where would you be on that scale? So I think last year, because we had the FA Cup win, there was a lot more optimism. Um, this season, because of how the last campaign finished with the Europa League uh, you know, exit, I think that has been dialed back a little bit. Um, on a scale of one to 10, I'd say I'm maybe about six, which is quite low, I know. But I just look at where we are and I'm quite realistic about it. Um, and we'll we'll get into our predictions of where I'm going to finish, but I think we have to be extremely realistic about about where we are, considering the work that we've done. Because if you look at it so far, uh, three players in, but only one of them improves the starting eleven. Two are, are just backup players. So I think we have to look at that and say, you know, we had a decent defence last season, um, but it was midfield and attack 
where we faltered and we've not done anything to improve that in terms of starting 11. So I would expect similar things. I know Arteta has had um, a little bit longer to work with the team in terms of training. But then again, you have to factor in that that's been the pre-season has been battered by the Euros, uh, you know, the players getting their holidays later, the Olympics as well, you know, players like Gabriel Martinelli missing out on that vital time. Um, so I would say that in terms of preparation, I wouldn't see loads different. I mean, what we've been trialing in preseason, um, you know, some expected that we might see the 4 3 3 that everyone's been talking about, Mikel's going to go to. We've not seen that. So I wouldn't expect a change in system either. Um, we've seen a few things in preseason, like the high press, which has worked in spells. I think um, with the likes of Pablo Mari and Rob Holding in defence, it's been disastrous. But if we can get it right, um, we've seen in the first half against Chelsea, I thought it worked quite well. Um, so m- maybe we might see a little bit more of that. But yeah, in terms of my expectations, I wouldn't imagine it'll be that much different to last season. Um, unfortunately, but you know, it's, as you said, there's, there's still that, that chance that we could do a few moves in the next couple of weeks and things will change. So when you say your expectations are not that much different to last season, specifically, mm. where do you expect Arsenal to finish? What would constitute a good season for you? What would constitute an excellent season for you? So for me, like top four, you can forget about it. I just think it's it's beyond our reach. You look at all the all the teams up there, Man City, they've added Grealish, Man United have added Varane and Sancho. Uh, looks like Lukaku is going to Chelsea. Uh, Liverpool have not had too many incomings, but they've had Ibrahim Konate and they're, they're a strong team. And then you look at the sort of challengers. Uh, Leicester have done some smart business this summer. Um, and, you know, even Spurs have got, got a few players in and they were linked with nicking one of our targets, Martinez. I don't know if they'll actually get him, but this is what I mean. Like our, our rivals around us have strengthened where we haven't. And um, so I think top four is out of the question. I think if we got it, it would be remarkable. I think top six, I think sixth place is is where we'll finish. And I think that'll be a good season. I think sixth or seventh, but I'll, I'll be I'll be positive and go sixth. Because I, I just think that, that we're not we're not in those sort of realms of, of any of the top four teams. And then it's it's down to us to to battle with um the likes of Leicester and uh, and Spurs and and all them sort of like lower teams. So yeah, like I've I've came into it so optimistic and now Harry got me actually analysing it. I'm like <laughs> doom and gloom. But yeah, yeah, that's that's how I feel, I have to be honest. I think for me a good season would be a top six finish and I think an excellent season would be somehow breaking into that top four. Now, I'm not completely ruling that out, although I don't think it's very likely. I think when you look at how some of the previous seasons have gone, you t- you tend to get a team, don't you, that underachieves, a team that everybody banked on being at the right, kind of right at the top table, maybe not necessarily being there. I think Liverpool were probably that side last season. They put an excellent run together towards the back end of their campaign and got themselves over the line. But really and truly, Leicester City should have been in the top four. So it's it's one of those where, you know, sometimes people can surprise you, but my prediction would be a top six finish. I think that's a realistic aim. And I think that's also something that 
looking at the time Mikel Arteta has had now, I, I expect him to achieve. And and someone makes a, a comment in the uh, chat box. I just wanted to pick this up one because I actually agree with this as well. Uh, Harris says, I think the whole first 11 argument is a bit of a red herring. We really suffered when we had injuries and Arteta was unable to adapt. And I think we touched on this last week uh, when we did a show together. And I said that, you know, if we can keep Thomas Partey fit, then the, the 11 doesn't really need that much improving there. If we can keep Kieran Tierney fit, if we can keep Emil Smith-Rowe fit, all of those things really contribute to how strong we are. Aubameyang obviously was missing for large periods last season as well. So I think that strengthening the squad is probably a little bit underrated in the eyes of many at the moment, because if we can keep that squad fit, then actually does it need as much strengthening as we think? I would argue no. And I think one of our biggest problems last season, as Harris points out, was when people were injured, we couldn't backfill them. And I think with some of the business that we've done so far and that we look likely to do, Aaron Ramsdale, of course, reportedly uh, close to joining the club, you feel as though we're at least plugging some gaps and we're preparing ourselves for that eventuality. So in my mind, that does make us stronger. How much stronger, though, uh, remains to be seen. Before we move on, though, just quickly, what are your thoughts on the whole Aaron Ramsdale thing? Because I don't want to bore people to death. I spoke about it on an episode earlier on. But what's your view and your take on, on Aaron Ramsdale and this report that Arsenal are, are edging closer to signing? Well, my initial thoughts, Harry, I'm going to be honest, I'm quite annoyed about it because when I think about this situation and how, how it's been handled, the goalkeeper situation, we sold Emiliano Martinez last season. Uh, I think it was 17 million and he's gone on to be, you know, one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League last season, in my, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think many would disagree with that. He's outstanding. Um, and that's fair enough. You know, when you look at the situation, he wanted first team football and um, we want to stick with Leno. Probably in hindsight, the wrong decision. But again, that's in hindsight. But the way I look at it now, you got rid of Martinez to bring in someone like Aaron Ramsdale, who, for my money, when I've watched him, he's been quite error-prone. Um, he's not fantastic with the ball at his feet, and he's going to cost us, including add-ons. Um, but what reports said earlier, Chris Wheatley from Football London, he said it will total around £30 million. And that's a lot of money for a keeper you're going to be sat on the bench for, for a season at least, you know, assuming Berlin is not leaving this summer. Um, and I look at it and I think that's just not what we need right now. I, ju I just think like if you want to replace um, Leno, do it now. Get get sell him and get in someone like Andre Onana who was available for absolute peanuts. I just think that there's so many moves that this club are doing right now, Harry, that I don't understand because I look at that situation and I think what do we desperately need? For me, a number 10. And that's not been secured. I don't know what's going on with Martin Odegaard, whether we're actually in for Madison. I don't know what's going on with that. And I look at striker as well. We need a striker who can do it all. For me, we've got two players, Lacazette and, and Aubameyang, who can do half the role of a striker. Lacazette is not clinical. Um, he can do the other bits of his game, uh, hold up play, you know, link up play is good, but he's not clinical, which is what you need ultimately from a striker. He needs to be able to do both. Aubameyang can't do the striker role. Plainly, he just doesn't add enough to the to, to the team build-up. So I, I look at it and I think we need a striker. We need a number 10. And possibly, you know, if if Xhaka was going to go up, up and, and even he, he's going to stay now, but I still think we need a, another centre-mid to, to beef it up in there. So I'm looking at, at these key 
positions in the in, in the center of right back as well was another one I've not even mentioned. I look at it and I think when you're spending 30 million on a keeper who's going to be a backup, who I'm not particularly fond of, you know, the club obviously think different. But like, what are we doing? I don't understand it. I, I really don't. It's it's it's, an, it's annoying me to be honest. I, I just think that you know we've we we've praised the the recruitment team for for bringing in the likes of Gabriel, Ben White, decent signings. You know, Lukonga looks looks good. Tavares not seen enough of him, but for every one of those, there's been a clangor as well. For every one of those, there's been a Willian. Ramsdale, for me, I think is not worth that kind of cash, especially if we don't get get number ten. So obviously, this I, I could be I could be saying this prematurely because we could go out and get Odegaard, we could go out and get James Madison, but at the moment, with a few window, with a few weeks of the window left, I'm not I'm not I'm not satisfied. So it's not it's not anything like majorly against Ramsdale. I just think it's not, it's not what we need at this moment in time. Yeah, I think that's the thing. But I think what we have to be careful as as of doing as Arsenal fans is creating this environment for Aaron Ramsdale to come into now where he feels like he's not wanted and we create this negativity and this narrative that we seem to have created as a fan base with so many players over the years that makes it near on impossible for them to actually succeed at the football club. I think with Ramsdale, the the, the key point that I think you made there was we could do with other things right now. I think from the club's perspective, if they're looking at Aaron Ramsdale as coming in as a future number one, if they're looking at the Burn Leno situation and saying, well, he's got two years remaining on his contract, he'll play this season and then we'll look to move him on rather than let that contract run down. Then I think that you can understand why they've thrown so much money at it if they genuinely do believe that Ramsdale will go on to be the number one. The problem is that I don't believe that. I don't think you believe that he's at that level. Um, and I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. But kind of going back to, to the new season, looking ahead uh, to what what may happen, how it may play out. Um, who do you envisage being Arsenal's standout player of the campaign? And, and I want to throw down a few predictions here so that we can revisit these during the season. But I mean, looking back at last season, Bukayo Saka was was the player of the season in many people's eyes. I thought Emil Smith-Rowe was very good as well. But in the second half of the campaign, of course, Lacazette had a better season. Um, I thought David Luiz was pretty good as well at certain periods. Xhaka, much more consistent than he has been in the past. Who do you expect to be that standout player? come the end of next season that we'll be looking back and saying, yeah, he, he really uh, gave a really great account of himself. So I think there'll be a few key ones, Harry. If if I sort of to give you a top three and these these are all very close, I, I do have a standout number one, but I think if three, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be Saka. I, I think he will probably be the third best player just because, you know, everyone knows, everyone saw it for England as well. He was he showcased to the world what a spectacular talent he is. You know, don't need to explain that one. Um, ben White, I think, is going to be big for us because I think we've been looking for this sort of character, um, this sort of personality, and just someone to really, you know, that can that can wear the can wear his heart on his sleeve and 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 bleed Arsenal. And I think he's that guy. I think we we're investing in him at the right time. I think he's got all the right attributes um, against Chelsea again. Just looking at short bits in preseason. The way that he was so quick to, to to close down opponents and you know nick the ball off them, you know going tight, going hard, but but fair as well. I think his anticipation is great. His pace is great. His his passing, his confidence on the ball. I think he's got so many attributes 
Um, and I think that in time, he will be one that will bring a bit of calmness to that defence that we've not had. And ultimately, someone to, to build our defence around who we've not had in forever. I mean, I don't remember the last sort of young upcoming centre-back that, that, that we had that was like, you know, this is the guy that's, that's going to be the future of the, the club. So I think him. Um, but number one, for me, it has to be Smith-Rowe because I think it was a huge statement, the fact that, um, you know, all these bids from Aston Villa, um, you know, what like a lot of interest. And we said, you know what, he, we're tying him down. He's, he's signed a new contract. He's an Arsenal boy and and he's our man. And I think he's going to be the key man because I think he... He strings it all together. There's absolutely no coincidence that when he came into the team last December, our, our, our upturn in form was completely, for me, down to him and Saka as well, but mainly him because he was the, the main creative threat in that team. And he just gives us life. He gives us energy, um, but he's got the, the skill to back it up as well. For me, he's just a complete full package. And the great thing is, is that we've only seen about three, four months of him. Um, in, in the first team, which is spectacular. The fact that I'm even considering him as as one of the one of the players, you know, to, to be the, the very best next season is is a testament to how he's done so far. So he's going to be, be the one that ties it all together. And um, I just think he's he's so versatile, um, but he's he's young and he's hungry. And again, players that wear their hearts on their sleeves, give everything for the club. That's that's what we need because we're not at it much. But yeah, he'll be the one for me. Brilliant stuff. And I, and I agree with most of those selections. They were all in kind of my shortlist. I think the other player I want to throw into the conversation who I do really expect to have a good season is Nicola Pepe. I think towards the back end of last season, he showed a lot of promise. He showed a lot of the reasons why Arsenal did go out and splash at £72 million to bring him to the club. I think what you're going to get from Nicolas Pepe this season, I think you're going to get more goals. I think you're going to get more assists. I think he's finally kind of clicked with Mikel Arteta in terms of understanding what Mikel's demands are of him, which are obviously to, to impact the game in the final third, but also to help us with our defensive structure and get into the right positions off the ball, which I'm not sure Nicola Pepe was doing enough previously, but he seems to have really picked up his game in that sense. So I expect him to be in the conversation as well. Uh, in terms of top goal scorers then going into the new season, and while we do this, actually, guys, who do you expect to be Arsenal's top performer next season? Who do you think is going to be the standout player? Drop us a name in the comments and we'll revisit it in just a moment. And, and while you do that, myself and Mike will move on to the next one uh, that I want to talk about is, is the top goal scorer. Alexander Lacazette, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, uh, Bukayo Saka, Nicola Pepe, all at the football club going into the new season. Who do you expect to lead the goal-scoring charts from an Arsenal perspective? Of course, Lacazette uh, took that particular prize last season, but who are you envisaging uh, leading the way this time around? Can I say Tammy Abraham? <laughs> you can if you wish, but I'm not no. sure that one's going to happen. If I'm yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm praying that one happens. I, I really want Tammy here, despite a lot of fans disagreeing with me. But um, now, if if I'm looking at the current squad, I actually think it will be who you mentioned, Harry, is is one being on your player of the season. I think it will be it will be Pepe. I, I really think he'll be up there for for all the reasons you said. He he really looks like tactically, he's got that level of understanding now. Uh, he, he knows what Mikel wants him to do. He knows the sacrifices he has to make from a defensive standpoint. He knows what positions he should be in. Um, I think the only thing that could potentially stop him is who he has as, as right back. I think that sort of plays a big part in his positioning. Um, if he's got sort of a marauding right back like 
um, someone like Callum Chambers. It gives him a bit more license to to roam inwards. If he's got an inverted uh, wing back, someone like Hector Bellerin, he sort of has to do it all on his own. And I think that's where he struggled a little bit. But I can really see him stepping it up. And last year, where he got his majority of the goals was the Europa League. I think, obviously, this season he will be he will be the starter, and I think he he will chip in with a lot of goals. I mean, look, we're talking about a winger um, being our top scorer. Is is it saying more about him, or is it saying more about the rest of the strikers at the club? As, as I said earlier, I'm not particularly you know at, you know amazed by our strikers. That's that's an understatement. I think. For us to move forward, we need someone lethal. And um, even though Tammy Abraham's probably not that guy at the moment, I think he has the scope to develop into that with the right coaching, with regular minutes, which he's not had a lot at Chelsea. I think he he could become that guy. So it's, it's an issue for me, to be honest. And when you ask me that, it's a tough question because Saka, you know, as is, is, is good as he is, he's, he's a creative player, isn't he? Pepe has scored goals previously in his career. Um a lot of goals, scored a lot of goals for Lille. So I can see him making that step up. But it's a hard question. We don't have loads of lateral goal scorers, do we? That, that's the issue. Yeah, that's it. And and I actually want us to be in a place where we can't answer this question. I actually want Arsenal to be in a place where we've got three or four players contributing double figures over the course of the season because that's what, for me, we were so desperately missing last time around. So, yeah, it would be a good position to be in, wouldn't it, if uh, if we did have the kind of situation that we're saying where it could be Laka, it could be Ober, it could be Saka, it could be Pepe. Uh, it could even be Smith-Rowe if he picks up that side of his game as well. Let's go over to the live chat box and uh, take some of your uh, suggestions uh, for who you think will be the player of next season. Uh, Shivanan's gone with Oba. Uh, open-minded guy's gone with Odegaard, if he, of course, mm. joins. Alex McCarthy, similar to you, Mike, says Abraham, if we sign him. Um, Kyle Clark says, nope, it's going to be the star boy himself, Bukayo Saka. Um, Brad Richardson agrees with the Pepe shout for top goal scorer if he plays regularly, of course. Uh, so, yeah, lots of uh, lots of similar suggestions. Uh, Yonick uh, says Pepe or Partey for player of the season. So uh, plenty of uh, decent shouts in there. Uh, in terms of Mikel Arteta, Mike, because he is someone who is under pressure going into the season. I think we can all agree with that. It's one of those situations that is not ideal. Um, it's one that's unhelpful in my opinion, but we are where we are because last season we didn't achieve what we needed to achieve. So my question is, and this is a, a prediction from you, I'm going to give mine as well. Will Mikel Arteta last the entire 2021-22 season? You're trying to trip me up with these questions, man. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> such an impossible question to answer. Um, in, in one word... I, based off my gut instinct, I'd have to say no. Um, I just don't, as I mentioned earlier, I just don't think there's been that that improvement to the first team. And I don't think we've addressed the areas we have at this current point in time. Obviously, that could change. Um, I just think that the vitriol surrounding him, Harry, from the, the fan base is already, you know, is already bad enough. And, you know, considering the, the difficult start we have, if we, you know, lose five or six games in, in the opening 10, 15, similar to, to how we did last season, I think I think he's gone. I think they'll they'll have no they'll have no choice. Because realistically, some people were saying, I think you said as well at the end of last season after the Europa League, it it, it was time for him to to be sacked because 
you know, because of how poor the end of the season was. That was our objective. We didn't reach it. And I understood that. I didn't necessarily share that viewpoint, but I understood that. And I just think if it gets to that point where we are, you know, down in 11th, 12th, and we were as low as like 16th last season at, at one point, 14th. So I think if it does get as low as that by by Christmas time, I think um, I think he'll be gone. And realistically, I can I can envision that happen. I really hope it doesn't because you know I'm an Arsenal fan. I obviously want to see us succeed. I want Mikel Arteta to succeed. He's a former player. I've got a lot of respect for him. But ultimately, the transfer market will will make or break you. And we see, as I mentioned, teams like Chelsea, teams like Man United, improving their team by a lot and we plainly haven't so if it goes the same way which I do see it going I think he'll be in real trouble yeah it's it's, it's going to be a tough season for him for sure uh, as I said there's a lot of scrutiny on him already and a ball hasn't even been kicked a competitive ball anyway I think you could see from the reaction to some of the pre-season results that people are almost waiting uh, in some cases to to pounce on him and to you know, really stick the knife in. I think for me, a lot of this depends, and it is a tough question uh, to answer. That's why I asked you it. But there is a there is an element of this where it comes down to what do the owners expect? What is the club's objective? Forget what my objective is. Forget what your objective is or the wider fan base. What do the club see as an acceptable season? I would say that if Arsenal finished in the top six, in the club's eyes, that would be progress and that would be moving forward in this project. They'd have assembled a young group, a talented group that they envisage being the team of the future. And if they get back into Europe, I think they will see that as progress. Now, I'm not saying I agree with that before people start jumping on me, but I do think the bar has been lowered at Arsenal to the point where if Mikel does achieve a top six finish, I think his job will be safe. And I think while he's in the running to do that, I think he will be safe. So my prediction is actually based on what I believe the club's objective will be that he will last the season. Now, the fans might not be happy with what they're seeing, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of noise if they don't. However, um, that's that's the way I see it. Uh, so it's going to be uh, interesting to see, of course, how this plays out. Um, in terms of the young players breaking through, Mike, so, you know, the, the, uh, the Gabriel Martinelli's, the... I'm talking about players on the fringes of the first 11. So I'm not going to include Smith Rowe and Saka in that. But people like your Balogans, your Martinelli's, um, you know, who do you see in that squad? Maybe Lakonga can go into that category as well. As someone who you feel is is right on the cusp and, and ready to break in and who could have uh, quite the impact this season. Yeah, so given our problems in midfield, um, you know, Mohamed Elneny still possibly could start our season opener, which is quite depressing, to be honest with you. Um, I think one of the players that will step up this season is uh, Miguel Aziz. I've been watching him for for a few seasons in the academy. Really, really talented player. Um, great on the ball. I think it's a real shame that for him that we haven't got Europa League football this season because I think he definitely would have started uh, the majority of games in that competition. But I think... Given a cup competition, given Thomas Party's injury record, um, you know, given Jacker's disciplinary record, I think there will be chances at, at some point. And I really hope he gets a chance to show everyone how good he is. Cause I think he is one of the ones that's that's the breakout star. I think he's the one. I think we've seen, you know, bits bits and bobs of Balogun, but again, it'll be difficult for him to to break into the first team. He's got about two, three strikers ahead of him. 
Um, you know, the likes of Martinelli as well. If we keep persisting with with Aubameyang out left, he might find it difficult. I mean, he found it difficult last season, and every time he came on a pitch, he was he was brilliant. So, I think I'm, I think and Aziz will be the one this season. I really do. Yeah, he's a player I like the look of, and I and I look forward to seeing more of. And I wonder if, and again, this is going to get people jumping on me, but I wonder if the kind of emergence of Miguel Aziz, as well as the the signing of Albert Sambi Laconga is why Arsenal so far anyway haven't moved for another central midfielder. I wonder if that that is uh, is part of the reason. I guess uh, again, you know, we we're, we're predicting and we're speculating, but it's going to be uh interesting. You know, Miguel Aziz really big talent player who is obviously being integrated into the first team squad at the moment and one with a big future ahead of him. I'm really interested to see how Laconga does. Um he's a player I really really like and he's a player I I liked prior to him signing for Arsenal as well. I've got to say that because that's important. I'd seen clips of him previously, read articles and scouting reports on him uh, from some really good websites and kind of had him in my mind as someone that I think can go on to uh, bigger and better things. And I just think what we've seen of him so far is, is look, he looks really mature. He looks really ready, doesn't he, to compete at this level. And, and I can't wait. Uh, to see how he does. Uh, let's say a big hello to Pete Geary for his, uh, and, and say thank you for his very, very kind super chat donation. He says it was a little bit delayed coming through, but he's touching on that Arteta point with fans back in the stadium. If the results don't go the right way, Arteta will be gone by November. The pressure from the fans will be too much. Thank you uh, once again, Pete, for your very, very kind donation. Uh, also, just a quick reminder before we continue that this podcast is brought to you by manscaped.com so for all your male grooming needs head over to the website check them out they've got some fantastic products specifically the lawnmower 4.0 it's got anti-cutting technology and the battery lasts forever what more do you want you don't even have to think about charging it um well that depends on what your situation is downstairs but anyway check it out manscaped.com enter our discount code which is 90min20 and you'll get 20% off of your order as well as free shipping so you stand to save yourself a fair amount of money just finally as well before we continue the conversation if you haven't hit the like button already and you're watching us on youtube what are you waiting for hit that like button it really really does help subscribe to the channel if you're new we should at least have 100 likes on the video. There are over 200 of you watching. Uh, it doesn't cost a thing. Right now, we are on 46. So come on, let's, let's uh, up the game there. Uh, right, let's um, let's continue through the comments a little bit and then we will, uh, we will continue our conversation, touch on a couple more bits and pieces going into the season. Um, let's see. Uh, Kieran King says, we're obviously looking to buy or renew contracts to young players. Uh, to, and to build on the value of youth, we need informed quality and experienced players around them, though. Uh, agreed. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Delisu says, uh, I'm really excited about Lokonga. Hope he starts against Brentford. Would you start him against Brentford, Mike? Because I would. And I know yeah. that's not a popular opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I would. I think the snippets that I've seen, he's a sort of progressive player. Um, I really like how bright he is. I like his energy. I like how he actually takes the ball on the half turn, you know, f like fires into midfield and then tries to find a, a forward part. I really like his range of passing as well. I feel like the amount of sort of chipped balls and, you know, sprays out, out left and right were really, really good. Um, 
My only concern really is from a defensive standpoint. I don't know how good he is. He's not been tested. He got caught out of position a, a few times against Chelsea. Um, but I think what he does as well, he allows Xhaka to, to move slightly further forward into positions where we can actually utilise his passing a bit more. That's what I like about him. Um, and he's, a, for me already, he's an upgrade on El Nenny. I think El Nenny is a, not to be harsh on him, but he's a boring, safe sort of player that isn't going to win us a game like that when we're probably going to be playing against a team that that will be defensive in spells. I know Brentford do play um, some attacking football, but I think overall they will be looking to to nullify us. And I think, yeah, Lokonga has got to be the guy for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Aaron says, sobering chat, Harry and Mike, makes it hard to stay positive for the start of the season. I'm sorry, that's not our intention. Uh, <laughs> Cooperman says, uh, does Aziz's contract expire in June 2022? Um, I've got to be honest, I'm not 100% sure about this. It's something I need to go away and have a look at because if you go on Transfer Mart and you look at Miguel Aziz's profile, which I just did while Mike was speaking, it says it expires June 2021 which mm. has already passed. So I, I don't really know what the situation is there uh, with Miguel Aziz, but you'd imagine that if he is part of the plan, that Arsenal uh, would have no issue in getting that deal done. Uh, he is relatively unproven or he is unproven at that level. And so it's probably going to be easier to do any negotiations now than it would be to do that maybe a year or two down the line when he is or when he has, if he has broken through. Right, for the final part of the show, uh, myself and Mike are going to go through we're going to have a little bit of a debate about it, what we believe is Arsenal's best starting eleven uh, for the new season. We're not going to take into account injuries. We're going to assume everybody's fit. I know that's hard to believe as an Arsenal fan, but we're going to go through that eleven and see what you guys think about it in the chat box as well. Uh, so starting in goal, uh, Mike, you know, we know that Bern Leno is at the club, expected to be the number one. We know that Aaron Ramsdale is likely to come in. You don't expect Aaron Ramsdale to take that position from Bernardo initially, do you? And if if that is a possibility, would you consider that if you were boss? I hope not. I'm, I'm really hope he doesn't come in. I think he's got a lot to learn. Um, but no, I'll, I'll go with Leno. Even though a lot of fans are split on him, I, I do like Leno. I think he's a really good shot stop. He got us out of trouble a lot of times. Uh, it's got It's got to be Leno. has to be. Yeah, uh, I, I think I agree with that as well. Although Leno has his shortcomings and Leno has at times last season frustrated me. I, I think that that's, that's a bit of a no brainer there. This is an interesting one though, right back now, bearing in mind that the club we currently have mm. Hector Bayerin, Cedric Suarez, Callum Chambers, even Ainsley Maitland-Niles, you could put in the mix as well. Who would be your preferred choice at right back? This is really tough. You know, I think <laughs> honestly, like I'm ruling out Hector Bellerin straight away. I just don't think he's good enough. I was really, really, really pissed off, to be honest, when that, that mistake against Chelsea in pre-season. I thought, how is this guy, you know, he's meant to be angling for for a move away. You know, it's clear that, to me anyway, in my opinion, he wants a new challenge. How has he been so sloppy to pass the ball straight to Tammy Abraham when you're trying to impress? It's pre-season. You're trying to impress the manager. You're trying to tell him, give me a chance or to tell other clubs, come in for me. Like, no, no wonder why no one's coming to get him. Um, so for me, it's between Chambers, Cedric and Maitland-Niles. I mean, in an ideal world, I'd want Maitland-Niles because I think he offers great sort of things going going forward. He's a really good inverted player. He likes to come to midfield. But I think 
I'm, I'm going to go Chambers. I'm going to go a bit left field. I think he had some really good spells last season. Um, I think he's good going forward. I think he's a, he, he's not fast, but he's really good, you know, crossing wise and defensively. He's played in centre mid and um, and centre back, so I think he's got that that defensive now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say Chambers. Interestingly, as well, which I didn't know, Ben White during his uh, interview when he joined Arsenal Football Club, he talked uh, quite a bit about his kind of career growing up and talked about the fact he used to go and watch Southampton and he talked about being a ball boy at a game in which Callum Chambers was playing for the youth team and Mm. Callum Chambers was playing as a winger, which explains why Callum Chambers looked quite comfortable, doesn't he, in the final third? Because although his build doesn't look like that of a winger, when he does get in those positions, he does more often than not pick out the right pass, put good balls into the penalty area. So, yeah, I, I think I've been pleasantly surprised by what I've seen uh, of of Chambers recently. If you'd have asked me this midway through last season, though, I might have gone with Cedric. I just I feel like he kind of fell out of favour, didn't he, towards the back end yeah. of last season. Being asked to play at left back certainly didn't help him because he looked quite competent up until that point. So that's kind of been a bit of a negative mark in, in Cedric's thing. I think there's a bit of recency bias that comes in with Chambers here. But Chambers can also tuck in as part of a back three, can't he, if Tierney mm. bombs forward. And I think that's a bit of an advantage because the way Arteta's side play, I think is quite key that, that that right back, more so than the left back, is adaptable, can tuck inside. And I think Chambers does that job quite well. So, uh, yeah, Callum Chambers. Now, centre-back pairing, I'll start off on this because for me, this is quite easy. I think when everybody's fit, it's Ben White and Gabriel. Do you agree? Do you have a different view? What's your take on it? I agree, um, but I want to see the Gabriel that started the season last season. I think mistakes crept into his game. Um, and when you're going to be playing next to someone, they're, they're on the same age, aren't they? I think Gabriel's a little bit older than, than Ben White. Uh, but there's they're a similar age. So both, you know, relatively inexperienced um in the Premier League, especially both had the same amount of time in the Premier League. So I think I worry a little bit about Gabriel because he can get caught out. He can be a bit rash. I remember it was it when he came back from injury, he had some shockers, didn't he? Yeah, he was um, he looked really slow, like really laboured. So I hope we get the beginning of the season, Gabriel, and that would be my pair on 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 top form. But I have to say that like, I've been really impressed by by Pablo Mari um because he's not been any anywhere near you know the the first eleven really throughout his Arsenal career, short Arsenal's career, and I think he's a, he's a really good backup, you know, a real experienced guy. Um, his range of passing is good. Um, he against Chelsea as well, you know, using the the latest game, he he brought the ball forward really well. Obviously, the one issue is if if we're going to play a high line, you don't want Pablo Mari. So that's why I would say Gabriel. But I, I'd say you know fair fair play. I think if I want anyone coming in, it's it's going to be Mari. But yeah, those would be my two as well. Healthy competition, isn't it, at the yeah. end of the day? At left-back, I think we can all agree Kieran Tierney will be the number one. Uh, moving into the midfield, I think, again, it's pretty easy. Thomas Partey, when fit, is one of those players. Do you think that Granit Xhaka is still the man to play alongside him? I know I do, but I know a lot of people are quite keen or were quite keen to see Granit Xhaka moved out this summer and therefore don't feel like mm. he should continue in the side. I think he should. Where do you stand on the Granite Xhaka? Uh, we discussed the situation of him staying last time, but is he still, for you, Thomas Partey's go-to partner right now? Yeah, I mean, 
it's really it's really difficult, isn't it? Because I I wanted an upgrade on Xhaka. I think he's got limitations, um, and I think we needed someone uh, who who did a slightly different role. Essentially, I think we needed an out and out number six defensive midfielder to let Partey do his thing and be the box bod midfielder that we know he is. And I, I wish we got that, but but we haven't. But out of the options we have, it's it's got to be Xhaka. And I think they they formed. A decent little partnership last season. I think it we it showed flashes of working. Um, I just really hope Party can, can be fit because next to next to Jacka, like the, a pivot of Jacka on any Harry just like gives me heart palpitations, man. Like I don't want to see that as Arsenal starting pair. Um, but you know we got to get behind Jacka now. He's we, he's staying. Even though fans might not be happy about it. The one thing you can say, and I've always said this about Jacka, he's a he's a professional and he will give you everything. Which is what I was saying earlier. That's what we need. So, yeah, it's got to be Xhaka for me. Yeah, it's Xhaka for me. But I do see Lokonga as that, you know, the, the next in line. I do see Lokonga as the one mm. that we're going to look to kind of in, embed into the team over the yeah. course of this season and maybe the next. And then, you know, hopefully he'll be a starter. Yeah, I think it's going to take a while, Harry, uh, to, yeah. to be honest. Because like, as, as I said earlier, yeah, there's, there's defensive... Um, you know frailties there. I think just from watching him for the short time I have, um, and hopefully that that will improve because, as I said, like the partner for Party needs to let him excel. Needs to let him have the role that he had at Atletico, which was you know someone that gets forward and and you know gets more involved in in the forward play as well as doing his defensive work. So that's really important for me. Yeah, absolutely. Moving into that number 10 position, we're being heavily linked with Martin Odegaard again. We've been linked with James Madison time and time again throughout this summer transfer window. But based on the players we currently have at the club, Emil Smith-Rowe fits in there? Yeah, yeah, it's got to be. As I said, he's going to be my standout player. Just unbelievable, like the impact he's had in such a short amount of time. Um, my only slight concern is that one thing he's not got particularly you know, proficient at yet is finding those little cute balls like in, in behind defenders. He's, he's done it a little bit. I think his best sort of asset is him linking up with the, with a number nine and, and Saka and Pepe. I think he's sort of interchange is brilliant and it's really good to see at, at his age that he's got that sort of intelligence to understand the runners where they're going to be. Um, you know, bouncing off the number nine to get behind in the one-two. I think that's a really good sign. I just think he needs to add that that final ball and that that vision that you know, like an like an Ozil had, like Sandy Cazorla had. As soon as he adds that, I think he's the he's the complete guy. And as soon as he adds the goal scoring, he's going to be one of the best youngsters in the league. Yeah, for me, the big thing is the goal scoring. I think in that position, you got to get into double figures over the course of the season. Now that will be league and cup, but you still need to hit around that mark. I think anything less than that in a position where you're so advanced is, is not quite doing your bit, I would say. So that's my one kind of area for a Smith row where I do think he needs to push on and develop. Uh, on the flanks, I think we can both agree we're going to go Pepe and Saka. Is that what you'd go for? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not having Orba as a, as a winger at all, Harry. I don't think it suits yeah. him. He looks lost out there. He doesn't really know how to get involved with play. He's got that one signature move where he just cuts inside and tries to bend it in the far corner. And it comes off like once in every 15 attempts, which is just not good enough already. For a player of, of his quality, the, the amount of goals he has scored for us in the past, 
I just think it's it's really not working with him, and it's a bit concerning that he is our he's meant to be our star man, and for me, he's not going to get into our starting eleven. Um, the, the the other two, obviously, just yeah, they absolutely you know say it for themselves. Unbelievable, Saka, especially Pepe towards the end of last season was on fire. Um, so those are the ones I'd, I'd go for definitely. So we both agreed that Lacazette should be the centre forward. Yeah, I mean we're not left with any options, are we? Unless you want to take a punt on on one of the younger players, take a punt on maybe Martinelli as a number nine. You know, potentially Balogun and throw him in for a few games, maybe rotate them. But we're we're stuck with him essentially, and that that might be a bit harsh. But I, as I said, for me, he's half a striker. He's half of what I want my striker to do. I think he's in terms of what Mikel wants from a number nine. He's probably fits the bill. And that's why he's he started so many times. But in, like we just need that clinical man. We need that guy with the with the, the instincts that's gonna that's gonna bang us. You know, twenty goals a season guaranteed to push us into the into the uh, top four. Because if you look at it, we haven't got many goal scorers in the team from midfield. In fact, like it's hardly any goals from midfield. Some from the wings of the season, but we don't have that, which means it puts so much pressure on the number nine to not only create and do what Laka does with his back against the ball, but but just scoring when we need it. So, yeah, it, it would be Lacazette for those reasons that I mentioned. Um, but I'm not particularly happy about it, mate. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's one of those where he's the best of what we've got. And I think what you have to consider when you, you know, when you look at this is that what he brings out of the players around him. I think that's really, really important. I think you do get a better Nicola Pepe with Lacazette at centre-forward. You get a better Bukayo Saka and you get a better Emil Smith-Rowe. And for that, as well as what he brings to the team himself, I think that's really important. Now, I've seen a few of you in the comments saying, great, this is pretty much the same team with one exception that we had last season. And yes, it is because we can't make up Arsenal's current best 11 with players that we don't have. But what I would say is, for large periods, as we discussed earlier on, we were without Kieran Tierney. We were without Thomas Partey. We were without Emil Smith-Rowe. We were without uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. So if Arsenal can keep this team together and keep this team fit, I still think this team, this eleven, is capable of challenging for the top six. I really, really do. But the problem was that when we had those issues, we weren't able to address them. We weren't able to replace certain players. And so... The recruitment that we're doing, it might not immediately change the, you know, the starting eleven a great deal, but I do think it adds depth and it adds uh, something behind the scenes that could prove invaluable come the end of the season. Um, this is a really, really good question from Mark yeah. Haguna, one of our members. Who's wearing the armband in this side? And a couple of others have asked this as well. Delisu uh, putting mm. that question out there as well. It's a really, really good question uh, for you, Mike. Who wears the armband? in this side i've got well, a feeling difficult. i know who you're going to say but go on it's a, it's a difficult question um i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna say tierney um because i think he's the natural leader but it's a difficult question because like how can our captain not be for us in our opinion i'm sure arteta disagrees but how can he not get into the team like why is this guy our star player our you know most highly paid player um you know what? What what is it turned into essentially? Like, what do we do with with Aubameyang? It's a it's an interesting question because if if he does have another, you know, poor season, 
he's got to go. But then you think if he's not gonna if he's not gonna get into our best team, if he didn't deserve it, which I don't, I don't think he does based off last season's experiences and, and performances, what what are we doing here? It's it's that sort of thing where like should we have, have maybe sold him last season? I don't I don't know. A lot of people might say that it would have caused absolute outrage, but. Looking back, it might have been the best decision. Like if we got 30, 40 million for him, which I, I don't know, it might have been a stretch to get that at, at his age. But if we could have got something and put that towards a striker, I think we'd be in a in a different position. But for me, the captain of the, of the club doesn't get into the team. Like that's that's an issue. It is a massive issue. I think on the captaincy thing, I think there are three candidates here that you could give the armband to quite happily. I think one of them is is obviously Kieran Tierney, um, a player that, you know, everybody loves. They love his attitude. They love his work ethic. I think that Alexander Lacazette could come into that category as well, because I do think he leads quite well. Got a really good relationship with those around him. All the young players talk about him all the time as, a, as being a big influence behind the scenes. I think in terms of the way he carries himself on the pitch, the way he conducts himself, the way he gives 100%, 100% of the time. I don't think that's a bad shout. I actually think that Granite Xhaka is an option as well, but the fans mm. won't have it. But no. it is an option. When you look at that team, he is one of the standout leaders in that side. <laughs> I don't think it will happen. I don't think Mikel will will uh, deliberately add that extra weight on his own shoulders and add that extra pressure and give the fans another stick to beat him with. But, you know, why shouldn't we talk about him? Like, what? Why shouldn't he be in the picture? Someone why just send the chat. Here discussion? we go, Harry. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Harry's <laughs> gonna do it. Yeah. Well, it's 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 a ge- it's a genuinely fair yeah. debate to have. Yeah. But people don't want to have it because of this narrative. I talked earlier on about creating narratives around players at the mm. football club and how that doesn't help anyone. And yeah. we've already done this with Granite Xhaka. We're already too far down that road. Do you think so, do, do you think people have just decided that they don't like him and that he's going to be the scapegoat? Because I think that does happen. I'm I'm not saying everyone, you know, every fan that is not that doesn't like Granite Xhaka is like that, but I feel like maybe it's got to that point where there's there's no coming back. And that that's why I thought he was he was gone, to be honest. I thought he'd been given so much stick by the Arsenal fans, rightly or wrongly. Um, you know, in, in terms of his ability, um, that it's just that there's no way back, and that's why I think there's just no chance he could ever become captain. When I hear Arsenal fans telling me that he wasn't consistent last season or that he wasn't better than all of our other midfield options over the course of the entire campaign, it makes me think that there are a lot of fans like that. You're, yeah, I think you've got a valid point. That kind of talk does make me think that there are people that. You know, Granit Xhaka could buy them a new car and they still would have an issue with him. They'd still find something. They'd say it's the wrong type of car or it's the wrong colour or I wanted an automatic and he bought me a manual, like that kind of crap. You know, that that's the, we are at that point with Granit Xhaka. Yeah. Um, but a good counterpoint to, to my point, which I really like and, and is a, a very fair one and a very well thought out one, is this from Brad who says, Xhaka's a natural leader. So actually having someone else with the armband would add extra leadership to the team. That's a really good point, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the sort of idea of the captaincy has, has disintegrated um, in, in recent years. I mean, look what our, look what one of our favourite captains did to us, Harry, in uh, Laurent Koscielny, the, the way he forced an exit from the club. 
what does it really mean? Like they they burn bridges. They it doesn't mean much anymore, and in turn, it doesn't really mean much to to fans anymore. It's just a sort of armband, really. Um, but when you when you say that, and just just looking at the team we put together right there, it is basically the the same team that that finished eighth last season. But I think we're building towards a team of players that that are Arsenal that you know represent what Arsenal should be about. I look at it straight away. Kieran Tierney, Ben White, Xhaka, Smith Rowe, Saka. Now, these are players that I know that and I can see just, just from watching them that that want to do everything, absolutely everything in, in their power to in, ensure that we win every week, that would like to try their best, the very best to give it everything. And that's that's all I want really from my team. I don't want people that that are shirking responsibility. I don't frankly, I don't want someone like like Aubameyang. Yeah. I just think that when when the gun gets tough, the you know it it, it doesn't suit him. It doesn't suit him. He's, he's he's that sort of character. And I think that we need to move on from that. And when I see these young hungry players coming through, that's what I want to see. And that's why I think that that just just going back to Ramsdale, like if they see that sort of character in Ramsdale, maybe 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 that's what they're looking for. Maybe that's more important than having a bit of you know a dodgy record uh, as a as a keeper, having a few errors here and there. And that, that that that's my optimism for for the guy who said that we're we're really miserable. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, look, at the end of the day, we we are building for the future right now it's very clear in what arsenal are doing in the transfer market that the future is is in mind that they are looking to build something with young hungry players uh, a lot of young hungry homegrown players as well uh, are seemingly kind of at the forefront and at the center of the plan moving forward and what i will say is is it frustrating that arsenal are where they are yes is it frustrating that Arsenal can't spend what City, Chelsea, United can? Yes. Um, are we going to get success overnight? No. But I think that we are at this point. We are at a point as a football club where we have no alternative but to go down this route. Planning properly is key here. And I do take encouragement from some of the signings we've made that at least the intention is correct. So let's see how we get on. Just to kind of circle back and to finish off, Mike, we... I said that Arsenal should finish and I expect Arsenal to finish in the top six. Um, you said something similar uh, around the same mark. So now looking at this team, can that team finish sixth? Yeah, they can. They can. If they if they can get that consistency, I think there's enough threat in there, especially, you know, you're looking at like Sasaka, Pepe, Smith. Right? I, think, I think if we can get a bit more like sharing the goals around, like, Pepe steps up to the sort of player he was at Lille. I, th I think we can do it. The defence, I'm not that worried about, I have to say. I think we've improved defensively. I think Ben White will help that even more so. so it's just about finding that balance. And I, I believe they can do it. I mean, look, we're, we're here talking about can Arsenal finish sixth? I mean, it's a bit depressing, really, when we when we look at it historically, the club we are. But as you say, that's just, that's just where we are at the moment. So sixth is good for me. Um, I'd love it to be top four, but I, I don't think it will. But definitely that team can finish sixth, yeah.
Yeah, completely agree. Right, we are going to leave it there. That is our Premier League preview from an Arsenal uh, viewpoint for this coming season. I'll be bringing you my Premier League predictions overall as well over the coming days. Uh, don't forget, if you are, are a fantasy football player, you can find our link to our league in the description below. Mike, are you a fantasy football man? Yeah, I am actually. I am. It's it sort of gets to the point where, um, like, if it's just I don't know, Palace versus Burnley, I might actually watch it because I've got a few fancy football players. It makes it a bit more interesting, even though it can be frustrating. And j there's just one rule: never ever have Harry Kane in my team. Um, yeah, but that, you know, that rule has cost me though so many. Yeah, times. I know, I know. But the, like, some of my Arsenal mates will put like Harry Kane captain against Arsenal. And it's almost like a little little thing in the back of your head thinking, oh, like if Kane scores, it will be all right. Like, no. It's treason. It's, it's, it's yeah, treason. It's, it's treason. It's never okay for any morsel of your being to want Harry Kane to score against Arsenal. So, yeah, my, my, my one rule, no Kane. Good stuff. Make sure you join the league, Mike, as well, so we can have a I bit will. of banter over it. Uh, at it over the season uh, guys check out the link in the description please hit the like button if you haven't done so already we're still around about 20 likes away from the 100 mark it really really helps thank you to everyone who tuned in thank you to all of you for your live interaction uh, for your thoughts in the comments we'll be back very very soon with more Arsenal content until next time take care listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.